We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. One second. Middleton. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep Live. This is a special pod we are doing I am doing, I'm Ty Windish, one host of the Eurostep. My co-host Rohan Kadi could not make it to this one, but I just wanted to hop quickly here on Locker Room to talk about the Bucks win over the Portland Trailblazers last night. I'm recording, and this will go out on Tuesday. On Monday night, the Bucks beat the Blazers 134-106. to 106. It was quite the victory. It was very enjoyable. I think it was very necessary for Bucks fans to check this one out and enjoy this win because things were getting a little dicey. We will say things were getting a little bit dicey, and it is very, very comforting that the Bucks were able to pull this one out. So I'm going to go over a couple topics from the game and then potentially hear from some folks in this room here on Locker Room who jump in and have thoughts that they would like to weigh in as well. But for now, I want to get started talking about the defense. I think coming into this game, the biggest probably emphasis, the biggest thing that fans certainly wanted to see was a better defensive performance from three Uh, I'll pull it up quick, but Milwaukee had given up three of the worst three-point shooting allowed games in league history. Uh, According to the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast before the game, coming into this, the Bucs were the only team in NBA history to allow 20-plus made threes in three straight games. Milwaukee had given up 21 on Saturday against the Hornets. 21 again Friday against the Pelicans, and then last week, 22 against the Raptors, who shot 55 threes in that game. The the Bucs allowed 55 threes to be taken. So that was uh, not ideal. Not ideal, I think, is the way to say that. So 
definitely the area coming in to look at was that three-point defense. Would the Bucks allow a million threes? Would would the Blazers be able to make a million threes? There is a difference between, you know, allowing a three in general and allowing a good three, although I think the one of the few things we do know about three-point defense, which metrics-wise, it's a bit of a complicated subject. Um, attempts are the most important thing. If you cannot allow attempts, that's the best way to stop a team from shooting from deep, even more so than allowing poor versus open attempts or whatever else. But so the Bucks' first quarter... Not great results, uh, to say the least. Milwaukee gives up 14 attempted threes and seven makes to Portland. So the Blazers are shooting 50%. Still hanging in there through one quarter. The Bucks did have a 10-point lead. Milwaukee gives up 36 points but scores 46. The Bucks' offense was not finding much resistance in the Portland Trailblazers in this game. But their defense was not great in the first quarter for sure. Too many giving up threes. Although clearly the Bucks did do one thing well, and that was defending Damian Lillard. Dame in that first quarter, I don't know if I have his numbers in front of me. I think he only shot, he attempted four threes, I'm pretty sure, in the first quarter and only made one of them. He only ends up making two all night. Dame scores 17 points on thir- just 13 shots in 27 minutes. I mean, this thing got ugly and turned into a blah. So he didn't play a ton, but... The Bucks did a good job limiting Damian Lillard. Again, seven attempted threes, just two makes. Um, but after that first quarter where the Blazers took 14 threes and made seven, the rest of the game, the other three quarters combined, and again, one was really just garbage time. So that, keep that in mind when breaking down the numbers. They're not entirely relevant, but mostly. Milwaukee allows 28 threes over the course of the rest of the game. So double the amount in three quarters that they allowed in one. So the pace slowed down a bit. It helps that Portland only made eight of those 28 threes. So again, they basically made nearly as many threes in the first quarter as the Blazers would make all night. So that was a nice thing to see. And even more so than the stats, I mean, stats are useful to put something like this in context. But digging into what we saw, I mean, we did see finally, out of the gate, right away, a different approach from Milwaukee defensively. There was no drop happening. There was some switching, but really the Bucks were hearkening back to the Jason Kidd days and hedging. They were hedging the pick and roll. So whether it was Brooke Lopez, Giannis Tetacumpo, Brooke Lopez, not Lopez, uh, Giannis Tetacumpo or Bobby Portis, the Bucks' bigs were coming up on screens, especially you could tell Dame was the priority. They were doing anything possible to limit Damian Lillard. So all those bigs were coming way up onto these screens, coming around the pick and rolls, ignoring the Blazer big guys. Like, literally, Ennis Cantor is just, like, vibing with nobody around him in the paint. But Damian Lillard was getting bottled up. I mean, he was finding his way to the rim. He was making some nice passes. He ended up with seven assists and no turnovers, which truly remarkable, given some of the passes that he launched in this game. I think Dame did about the best he could, considering how locked in the Bucks were on him. But Milwaukee said, you know, Dame's not going to beat us. Somebody else is going to have to. Nasir Little ends up with 30 points, so shout out to him. He tried his best. Nobody else on Portland could make enough of the opportunities. Uh, Robert Covington, one for five on threes. Gary Trent Jr., two for eight. Again, Little makes five of his seven. He had a good shooting night. But nobody else on the Blazers was really able to get uncorked. The Bucks did a better job after that first quarter of, in addition to bottling up Dame, again, as much as you really can, 
and Drew helps a lot with that too. Um, Drew is just like something about Damian Lillard just bothers Drew Holiday. Like Drew Holiday goes all out on both ends. Terrific game from Drew. We'll get to him in a little bit, but. Um, but the Bucks as a team bottled up Dame Lillard, and that was more important. That was more important than just seeing Drew do it, because we've seen Drew do great things, especially on the defensive end before. We need to see the whole team philosophy and coaching-wise shift to, to like better priorities. And three-point shots in general, especially this season where there's no fans, it just it kind of still has that bubble feel of like every open shot is going to go in. Um, the threes are just so important right now, and the Bucks were a much better team. Like I said, all game long they tried. They got much better after the first quarter of taking away those good threes and just saying, you know what, Blazers, you got to beat us somewhere else. And Portland tried. They had a ton of offensive rebounds, 14 uh, compared to just nine for the Bucks. And this canter was tearing up that glass a little bit because, again, the Bucks' bigs were way up at the top of the key trying to stop Damian Lillard and Gary Trent Jr. and the other ball handlers. So they were letting, you know, Ennis Cantor, who had four offensive rebounds. Little, who had five offensive rebounds. Really good game for him. Um, the Bucks were saying, you know what, you're going to get some offensive rebounds. We're going to try to contest those. You're going to make some. But you're not going to get going from three, and we can win that way. And they did. I mean, the math worked. The Bucks won every quarter until garbage time. The fourth quarter, just an unmitigated sloppy mess that was – Kind of fun, but not really that fun to watch. But um, but the Milwaukee strategy worked out, and it just goes to show you the importance of three on both ends. And it was awesome to see the Bucks come in with a much smarter approach to taking away those three-pointers. I mean, like I said on the open, this was the number one thing that Bucks fans wanted. And I, me too, like Bucks analysts wanted to see coming in was let's not give up a fourth straight 20 point 23s made game that's the one thing nobody wanted to see Portland does get up to 15 but they only shoot 35 percent you could tell the Bucks emphasis was on taking away those threes and it was a good emphasis and they finally executed it again after that first quarter really well and it led to a blowout so you know Portland undermanned right now CJ McCollum's out haven't had the best season they're just around 500 obviously on the road trip this game was in Milwaukee so you know, it's not like they went toe-to-toe with, like, the Nets or the Lakers or, or one of the truly great teams so far this season. But still, a good win for the Bucks, and even more so than the win and the blowout, as nice as they were after uh, a pretty rough patch, it was just nice to see that philosophy start to change. And now we need to see it stay changed. And now we need to see more games where the Bucks come out of the gate right away focused on whatever the opponent's advantage is. So many teams in the league right now, it's going to be threes. So we need to see more than just, you know, Dame and a kind of a ragtag team in, in all honesty. You know, it's a little easier to take away Dame on this team. It's kind of like Steph in the finals, in the 2019 finals, right? Like, obviously, that's the priority. Like, you're, you're going to just focus on Steph if it's him and nobody else. That's kind of the Dame situation. I mean, Gary Trent Jr., a fine player. Robert Covington, a good role player. And his cancer's and his cancer. Uh, Melo looked pretty pretty rough in this one. Not a good showing for Carmelo Anthony, who was one for seven. But, you know, the Blazers, not not at full strength. It would have been a better test if C.J. McCollum also played, but it was a good foundation and something to build on for the Bucks. And one other thing I want to talk about with this game, interesting that, you know, the vibe on Twitter, which not always indicative of anything. I mean, Twitter can 
Twitter is known, I think, for overreacting to every little thing. So you don't like to take too much away. But sometimes it translates. And I think to the Bucks locker room, there was that same vibe, apparently, of this is really bad. We're on a really bad run right now. I mean, Milwaukee had lost two straight and four of their last six contests. And according to Jim Ozwarski, my bad if I pronounced that wrong, the new this season Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, beat reporter covering the Bucks. He said Bryn Forbes said after shoot-around that the Bucks were a bit upset about losing two of straight and four of six. Tonight they go up 39 on the Blazers in a big win. Afterward, DJ Augustine called it a must-win game. And then he, uh, Jim added that Bobby Portis then said, we played with swag, played with grit, played with fire, and I think that's kind of contagious through the whole team. I think today our team was ready. Obviously, we really, really needed this win really, really bad. We didn't want to drop three in a row. I think that's huge. I, I've said this before. I love that the Bucks seem to be playing with a, a more sense of urgency this year. I, I think we've all agreed now that the regular season results aren't as important. It's all about getting ready for the playoffs. And I think that that's still the case. But I like that this team is, you know, in trying these new things and everything else, is also, you know, we don't want to lose games either. Like, this isn't, this isn't like, the Bucks' best record in, in, I think, the NBA the last two seasons, reigning two-time MVP and Giannis on the team, of course, thankfully locked down for the next several years, which always good to just remind yourself of that as a Bucks fan. But I like that the emphasis is, like, they're, they're trying switching, they're doing more hedging, they're doing all these new things. But this is still not a team that wants to lose. And I think those two things – can and should exist together. I don't know if it's a must-win game. I mean, it's so early. The Bucks, if they had lost, would still be above 500 with, again, just so much of the season left. But now they go to tw- uh, four games above at 12-8, and 8-2 eight. Eight and two at home for the Bucks this year so far. So I think it, it's just interesting to me that the team was feeling that slide as much as the fan base was. And it's not something I would have expected, but to have multiple players talk about it after the game, you can definitely tell that, you know, this this was a thing. And this was a thing that bothered the Bucks, and they came out and played like it. I mean, they just made shots, especially the big three. And this was great to see, too, in itself after. I think I gave all of them down stocks on the Bucks stock market. I do on Twitter after every game, after the Charlotte game, just because – they didn't all play poorly all night, but if you let LaMelo Ball close you out and your team has Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday, I'm sorry, it's a down stock. The, the rookie is good. LaMelo Ball is good. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's still a rookie. He's still on the Hornets. The Bucks should have won that game. They certainly made up for it here. So start with Giannis, of course. How can you not? 26 minutes for the Greek Freak, 11 shots. He makes eight of them. Two for three from free throw? Let's just not talk about it. Let's just not jinx it. Um, but just four rebounds somehow, but six assists for Giannis, one block, one turnover, 18 points, plus 25. So the Bucks dominate his minutes. Chris Middleton. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Really playing like Point Chris in this game. Chris only attempts six shots in 25 minutes, which usually I would complain about, but he only attempted that many shots. It wasn't because the ball wasn't in his hands. It was because he was playmaking for the rest of the game. Chris had nine assists, including some absolutely beautiful ones. A laser to the corner to Bryn Forbes at one point. I tweeted about it like four times. I had to go get the clip off my laptop. I was like, this is that was a nuts pass. And Chris just looked He's looked confident all year, but I think this was the most confident he's looked in his handle and his passing. So, again, five for six on the field, four for four from three, three for four from free throw, five rebounds, nine assists, two steals, plus 26, 17 points scored for Chris Middleton. That's about as good of a game as you can have in 25 minutes taking six shots. That's ridiculous. Great to see Chris continue to play well. He's only had a couple, maybe two or three, lackluster games all season, and that's going by his standards, not just in general. He's been consistently awesome, and it's really great to see, but might have saved the best for last. Drew Holiday, excuse me, just like, I I don't know what it is about Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard. Something, I don't know if something was said years ago, I don't know what happened, but this man is on a mission every time he plays Dame. We already covered, you know, Dame's poor Knight, again, by his standards, great player. Drew Holiday against Dame, head-to-head. Not always, of course, but, you know, relatively head-to-head. 22 points for Drew on 10 for 14 shooting. Most field goal attempts on the Bucks, and that's saying something in a big Bobby Portis game because we all know Bobby's going to shoot. Um, Drew was 2 for 3 from deep. Five rebounds, including two offensive. Seven, or excuse me, seven rebounds, including two offensive. Six assists, three steals, two turnovers, plus 34 in his 30 minutes. Like, when Drew Holiday was on the floor, the Bucks just dominated the Trailblazers. And I know another thing that folks want to see more of is, like, more Drew Holiday. You know, be more aggressive. Don't just kind of float in and out. Like, take over sometimes. He did that in this game, and the results were, I mean, they were spectacular. Like, if Drew plays every game like he's playing against Dame Lillard, the Bucks might just not lose again. Um, that was great to see. One of the more interesting things about these three players that we noted, and this is the last I'll talk about them before I move on, Giannis played a little bit differently, uh, especially on offense in this game. Giannis was not forcing shots. Giannis was off the ball a lot more, operating within the arc. He didn't take any threes. I remember one point he gets the ball in the corner. He's in the corner, so beyond the arc, so ready to take a corner three. And relatively open. It's the kind of shot it feels like he would have quickly pulled, you know, especially in the first month or whatever of the season. And Chris was next to him on the elbow, about as open, I'll say. I'd I'd say they're relatively as open. 
And Giannis looks like he's going to shoot for a second. I was very prepared for it. And he goes and dishes the ball to Chris, who then makes the three. And I just remember thinking, is he just not going to shoot threes this game? And he didn't shoot any. And I don't hate it. Uh, usually, I like to see Giannis take some threes. But it's still just a work in progress. I think my priorities right now, given that the Bucks have so many perimeter weapons, I'd rather see him get more comfortable doing different things within the arc, whether it's rolling, posting up, passing from double teams, all that kind of stuff. I think it's just more important in the short term. So I didn't mind seeing Giannis attempt no threes. I thought his game was still diverse. I thought it was still an awesome showing from Giannis. Let's get to the one-downer before I talk Bobby Portis, which I'm very excited to do, as always. Uh, and DJ Augustine and Pat Connaughton, also pretty good games. Those two have been quietly pretty nice for the last couple weeks here, especially Pat. Um, Dante DiVincenzo. It's not great. It's not great in Dante land right now. Um, I just think back to how excited I was, and I think everybody was, about his hot start to the season. It was so much fun. He's hitting every single three. It was just a joy. And to watch him come out with another stinker, two for ten from the field, one for three from deep, that's probably one of his better shooting performances since that Chicago game, which was really the last time I think that it felt like Dante was consistently just, like, nailing all his threes. Which, again, he starts out the year shooting, like, 50 or 60% in the first couple games. It's not been like that recently. He's not finishing stuff within the arc. I mean, he's one for seven on twos, one for two from free throw, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, still contributing those Dante things. But it's just tough to see his shooting look more like last year where it was so off and on than the consistent sniper. I think we hope. So that's going to be something to watch. I mean, there's a solid case for Bryn Forbes to play more with those starters and maybe even start. I would like to see that lineup tested out in-game, even if it doesn't actually start games for now. But Drew Holiday, Bryn Forbes, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. And I kind of want to see it, too, that same group, but without Brooke Lopez and with someone like Pat Connaughton, another forward who can shoot. I think either of those lineups would be super fun. We haven't seen much Giannis at center. Um, I think just because Bobby Portis has played so well and Brooke Lopez is still playing a lot, even though he hasn't had the best year either. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm still out there saying he's washed, but I will say he has not had the best year either. Um, so I just think there's been a lot of center play. That's why we haven't seen it, but I would like to see it more. But another not good game for Dante. I thought he looked a little bit more composed when he didn't have the ball, but when he did have the ball, things got a little bit messy. But Things got a little messy for Portland whenever Bobby Portis had the ball. My goodness, 24 minutes for Bobby Portis. He takes 13 shots, so nearly as many as Drew, but couldn't quite get there. Makes nine of his 13, including three for five from three. Bobby Portis also adds eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, one block, one turnover, 21 points. Again, second on the team in this game, plus 31. Bobby Portis, not always the best plus-minus guy because – does have some limitations on defense, although you probably wouldn't notice it if you just watched this game. He was, like, he was dominant. I was going to not say it because I was going to say the Bucks dominated his minutes, but no, Bobby Portis was dominant in this game, and it was so fun to watch. His shooting percentages on the season now, just ridiculous. 20 games, one start. Bobby Portis shooting 56% from the field, 46% from three, 59% from two, all of those career highs, and it's not all that close. He's just 
he's making everything, and even more than that, I think he's getting even better at being in that bench spark plug role and really just, like, it's one of those where, you know, the funny meme that really applies to Bryn Forbes just as much, but, you know, it's Bobby Portis time, according to Bobby Portis, it's Bryn Forbes time, according to Bryn Forbes. That kind of stuff can be aggravating sometimes, but when Bobby Portis is out there with mostly bench players, like, I want Bobby Portis to think it's Bobby Portis time. Like, go dunk on somebody, stare somebody down, like, give the crazy eyes, Bobby Portis, like, do it all. I'm all for it. He's been doing it. The results have been awesome. I just like, again, as someone who was relatively high on the signing coming in, I did not expect Bobby Portis to play like this. Um, I see there was the Jesse Tostin Jake's thread on protecting, uh, not protecting the rim versus allowing threes. I think great note there. Um, and I definitely have noticed that and read that before. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it applies. It certainly applies to Portland. And I really think it's going to apply to almost everybody. There's not many teams anymore who just don't take threes. Like the Spurs in some years, there's like the Lakers are so big, and depending on how AD is going, they don't always have a ton of shooting out there. It's still got to be a priority against pretty much everybody. you gotta got to protect the arc. The Bucks did it better in this game. It was really, really nice to see. It was a step in the right direction. And I think that's all you can hope for in a particular regular season game at this point. These are building blocks, folks. This team is not a complete product. This is not polished and and done like some of these other teams who, you know, have coalesced quicker or have had more time together. The Bucks are figuring out some big things, adding some new pieces. I think the interesting thing is seeing specialists worked in off the bench as a as opposed to kind of like every every you know more well rounded but not as good as anything players. And I, I think the specialist approach is going to pay off in the long run, but the Bucks just have to get more used to doing it. So, again, I know I've said it 10,000 times, but I thought this was a good sign of a game. I wanted to come on here and talk about it because I was so amped up about it. If anybody else wants to come up and share thoughts quick here on this stage, talking about Bucks Blazers on February 1st. Again, a huge Bucks win, 134 to 106. Truly just delightful considering – the uh, disappointing, we'll say, to put it lightly, the disappointing finishes from some of the team's more recent games. This one was not that everybody seemed to go off again, except Dante. Poor Dante. Um, and Torrey Craig was 0 for 2, but, like, you don't really look for Torrey Craig to add a lot of scoring. Like, Torrey Craig can have a fine game going 0 for 2. Both of his attempts with threes. Would like to see him in the pick and rolls more like we did in the past, but um, not a not a huge importance for me. Uh, we got Tenasis minutes. Tenasis six rebounds and six assists. One of the hardest fouls I think I've ever seen. Never try to do a layup around Tenasis. That's just a bad idea. He did block one later, but <laughs> he he coughed up the ball on offense as one turnover. And I, I just I could see it right away what was going to happen. I, I forget who for the Blazers. Um, got the ball and went to do a layup. I don't remember if it was Simons. I don't think so. Whoever it was, um, Bobby Portis just annihilated him. So not a great call there to attempt a layup against – did I say Bobby Portis? Tenasis. Um, Tenasis is who I'm talking about. Um, but we saw Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill. They looked like rookies, uh, quite honestly. Wara had a couple nice moments, but managed to go one for five in ten minutes. At least his one make was a three. He was one for two from deep, but – um, they were both minus 11 in their 10 minutes. Again, 
I, I've said this before. I know it's the Debbie Downer take. I know folks are excited about the mystery box. It's picks 45 and 60. Like, that's what you're going to get from picks 45 and 60. They're going to be inconsistent. They're probably not going to be ready to play real roles every single minute. They're going to be questionable on defense. They're going to have some bad tendencies. It just takes time. I think Malcolm Brogdon was just such an aberration that there's a little bit of an expectation. Like, oh, Wara might be a rotation guy right now. Probability-wise, he's probably not. Um, he might get there. Maybe he is. I think I, I think he needs a little more time uh, in the NBA to come around. But thankfully, the Bucks bench look good enough tonight, so I, it doesn't feel as pressing. But uh, one last call out here. If anybody wants to hop up, raise your hand, come be a speaker, ask a question, or throw a question in the chat. You don't want to do that, whatever works. But um, just going around the last couple things here on this game. Good Bryn Forbes game, um, three for five from deep, five for nine from the field. I still, like, I don't want just over half of Bryn Forbes shots to be threes. I want almost all of them to be threes, Bryn Forbes. Like, a three or an open layup, please. I, I know he loves seemingly to curl around Giannis on the dribble handoff and, and take a long two. That's fine. I, I don't love it, though. Like, just take the three, Brent Forbes. Just please take the three from now on. But a solid game, and showing, like, we all know what Brent Forbes can do. Three assists is nice, but um, he can make shots. And that's, like, for the fifth starter, if you can make shots and get open around the big three, that's all we need. But let's hear quickly from Walker. Get him up on the stage here, hopefully. I think I hit accept. Hello to Walker if you're up here. Otherwise... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that's mostly this game. This was the Eurostep Live. We're still going to do our regular hump day episode going up tomorrow morning on the pod platform. So if you listen to this live and you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Eurostep on your podcast platform of choice. That's G-Y-R-O Step, if you don't know. Um, it's clever. It's funny. It's num- People's number one pod compliment is the name is good, which, I mean, hopefully the content is good, too. I I think so. Uh, people don't talk about that as much. That's okay. It is a really good name. But uh, please subscribe if you're not already. Give a five-star review on Apple if you can, because that really helps us out. If you want to talk more bucks with myself and with my co-host Rohan, send us on Twitter a screenshot of you giving the pod that five-star review or of you listening to the pod if you don't have access to Apple and we will get you in our Euro Group Discord. That's where we talk bucks during every game. We spitball stuff. We make stupid trades. We tell some really dumb jokes. But I think people, uh, I think they're funny. Um, some of the some of the folks in there just say like the funniest stuff out of nowhere, and it just kills me. So, uh, yeah, tweet at us a picture, a screenshot, excuse me, of you listening to the pod. If you want to get in the Discord, otherwise subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Ty Windish at Arcadi Jr. Um, feel free to tweet at us with any Bucks stuff, too. We always like to see and hear from uh, listeners and any fans of the team because that, that we are, too, at the end of the day. So, everybody, thank you again for listening. Stay safe. Follow on Locker Room. Get on Locker Room if you're not. Hit us on the feed and, and check out the next one of these. But stay safe out there, folks, and take it easy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.